0: This is Donetta Robin, Executive Director of Divine Mercy Radio. This week, we're rerunning a one-body show that I recorded several years ago about the physical consequences of abortion. It is a timely topic since Kansans are voting on the Value Them Both Amendment, August 2nd. There are consequences to an abortion decision, and the physical consequences are not told to women. Recently, there have been other lies told. For example, the big news this past week is that you can still get an abortion if you have an atopic pregnancy. (laughs) An atopic pregnancy is not an abortion. The doctor is treating the woman for a medical condition. An atopic pregnancy is a disease condition that needs to be treated. If the outcome of that treatment results in the loss of the unborn child, then that is an unfortunate consequence. The definition of an abortion is the purposeful destruction of the unborn in the termination of a pregnancy. So when the media is proclaiming that eliminating abortion will result in an atopic pregnancy not being treated, well, that's just a downright lie. A miscarriage is not an abortion either. I've been told that some insurance companies are labeling a miscarriage an abortion. A miscarriage does not fit the definition of an abortion. Please, do not be confused with all the lies that are being proclaimed. Be informed. Do some research on your own. Stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio where the truth will always be proclaimed. Now, here's the show on the physical consequences of abortion. They say... They want everyone to have access, every woman to have access to abortion. They want the poor to have access to abortion. So, if you are the poor of society, or the part of society that believes in abortion, or just someone interested in the abortion issue in general, listen up. I'm about to tell you why abortion is the last choice you will want to choose. Why? Because it will physically, emotionally, and psychologically harm you. Your body will never be the same. I'm going to tell you today what other media has failed to tell you. Abortion is detrimental to your health. Please note that I'm going to be addressing some issues that might not be for a younger audience. So if you have little ones around, you might want to switch the dial. And if you are still interested in this topic and young listeners are nearby, please know that you can listen at night as this show is broadcast at 11 p.m. Saturday nights and 10 p.m. Wednesday nights. Also, one week from today, you can download the show at dvmercy.com and listen to it at your convenience. So, you might be thinking, what qualifies a radio station director to tell me about the harmful effects of abortion? Well, Before the Holy Spirit called me into radio ministry, He called me into post-abortion ministry. In 2002, I went through a Rachel's Vineyard retreat, and later that year, with Bishop Fassimmon's blessing, and some generous donors, we began Rachel's Vineyard Retreats in the Salina Diocese. To date, I have facilitated 20 Rachel's Vineyard Retreats, been through four national leadership training conferences, as well as regular ongoing training provided by Rachel's Vineyard National Headquarters. I no longer run these retreats, Deacon Tom and Tina Schreck do, and you can contact them at one 447 4383 The hotline number for Rachel Spinyard Retreats in the Salina Diocese is one 447 4383 Did I have an abortion? No, not directly. I do believe that I had three chemical abortions during my most fertile years through birth control pills, but that's a topic for another show. What actually perked my interest in abortion was the suicidal death of my niece, Shelley, whom I helped raise as her own mother died when she was eight years old. When we cleaned out her apartment, there were spiral notebooks filled with her thoughts, feelings, and activities as she had an abortion five months earlier. So this is my motivation for beginning Rachel's Vineyard Retreats. You see, Jesus loves each of us. We are made in His image. No, Jesus would not like abortion because that is taking a soul already formed in His image and made to live forever. But when we make bad choices, He doesn't want us to despair. Jesus is the shepherd. He wants us to come home to Him. He will guide us through the healing of our minds and hearts. And that is what Rachel's Vineyard is all about, which I will address in more detail in another episode. What I'd like to focus on today is what you are not being told about abortion, that it is physically harmful to you. It was after our second Rachel's Vineyard retreat when I told my husband, who was also part of the team, something is going on here. There are too many miscarriages after these women have an abortion. So I began doing some research, and this is what I found out. First of all, abortion is the only surgical procedure where the patient does not have to return for a follow-up checkup. Get a load to that. So the women, you know, after they go home, they don't know what's normal for recovering and what's not normal. The most frequent physical consequence is post-abortive hemorrhage. In my niece's case, we know that she had an abortion in October and was still bleeding in January because she documented this in her journal. You might be thinking, why didn't she just go to the doctor? Because if she did go to the doctor, she'd have to tell him or her about her abortion, and just telling someone can be too much to bear. So, like Shelley, many women reason it's just better to put up with the bleeding. It'll stop sometime. Think about the psychological factors here. Every time a woman would have to change her pad or take a shower, well, what do you think this reminds her of? Her baby. A baby that was no longer with her. So when the bleeding is prolonged, it's even more traumatic as it is a constant and persistent reminder of what she has lost. God made our bodies so awesomely. A woman's cervix is hard to protect the womb. If a woman delivers her baby naturally, the cervix naturally softens, opens, and dilates. When the cervix is forced open, especially with the instruments of abortion. It causes stress on cervical muscles. It often results in ripping along the uterine wall. This is why many women have miscarriages in their next pregnancy following an abortion. The cervical muscles are weak and unable to hold the weight of the baby. However, all the women I've worked with in Rachel's Vineyard believe they caused the miscarriage, that God is punishing them for killing their first child. But this simply isn't true. The miscarriage is a direct result of the damage done to the cervical wall from the abortion instrument. But do the abortion clinics tell their clients about this before the abortion? Heck no! Now, please note especially your parents out there who might consider taking your teenager to the abortion clinic to save her from an unwanted pregnancy. The risk of cervical damage is greater for teenagers. It is also greater for those who have abortions in the second trimester of pregnancy. Another often undiagnosed and untreated problem with abortion is uterine perforation. This is when there is injury to surrounding blood vessels, the bladder, or the bowel. Women who receive general anesthesia at the time of abortion are at greater risk for this. If untreated, a woman can hemorrhage or they may contract a bacterial infection which can go throughout their bloodstream. Uterine damage may result also in complications in later pregnancies and may eventually evolve into problems which require a hysterectomy, which causes more problems in the long run, too. Cervical and uterine damage may also increase the risk of premature delivery, complications of labor, and abnormal development of the placenta in later pregnancies. These reproductive complications are the leading causes of handicaps among newborns. But, do the abortion clinics tell you that? Oh, no. There was a young woman who we worked with on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat who became pregnant three years after her abortion. I'll call this girl, Anne, which of course is not her real name. And please note that all the names that I use are not the real names and that I do have permission from these individuals to share their story. Like many women, Anne didn't tell her OBGYN about her previous abortion. She was afraid if she did tell, she might be treated differently. Now, several things happened here. First, when Anne discovered she was pregnant, she was overjoyed. Here was her chance to be a mother, a desire that was carved deeply into her heart. After Anne's Rachel's Vineyard retreat, she made a dramatic turnaround, accepted Jesus into her life, went through classes, was baptized, and became a faithful, practicing Catholic. When Anne became pregnant, her first thought turned to the baby she didn't give birth to. She didn't want to forget this baby. And even though she would love this babe within her womb, she said over and over, but I won't love this baby more than I love Jacob. Anne wanted to remember her first child, and she planned to go th- to great lengths to not forget him. Dr. Philip Ney, a psychiatrist from Victoria, British Columbia, who has done extensive research writing and speaking on post-abortion trauma, said there are only two cells between a mother and her unborn child. The exchange of hormones between the two is so intense, so intense. Dr. Nay says that studies have proved that the DNA is actually imprinted in the mother's brain. Wow! Just think about this. This brings the scripture in Isaiah 49 to life. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Yet, this scripture goes on to say, Even if these may forget, I will never forget you. You see, God created this intimate bond between a mother and a child within the mother's very own body. What an awesome God! This relationship between a mother and a child is personal. It is intimate. That is why when a woman has a miscarriage, for example, and people, however nice, will say things like, well, you can always have another child, the mother inside of herself is screaming, no, she knows there will never be another child like the one she's lost. Each child is created uniquely with a separate DNA and infused with the spirit of God. And this child, once created, no matter how small of a cell he or she is, will live forever. And that is what we need to say to comfort a mother, that her child is now with Jesus. That she now has an intercessor before the throne of God. Let's really think about this mother-child bond for a minute. When your child is happy, you as a mother are happy. When a child hurts, you as the mother hurt. One cannot help a child without helping the mother. And one cannot hurt a child without hurting the mother. But the abortion movement doesn't see this. The abortion movement believes it can separate the mother's interest from the unborn babies. But a baby cannot be taken from a mother's womb without hurting the mother. It goes against the order of nature, and more importantly, it violates the sacredness of a woman's womb. It spiritually, emotionally, and physically kills the mother. And this, my friends, is the war on women we are facing today. The abortion rights people like to make out that the pro-life people are radicals and fanatics. And, in a way, we are. We're radical about protecting God's gift of life, and we're fanatical about protecting women against the evil forces of abortion. When we protect women from abortion, we protect their entire bodies—physical, emotional, and spiritual. It's the healthiest thing for a woman. But let's get back to Anne's story for a minute. We now know why, in the second pregnancy, she was intent on remembering and loving the first child within her womb. Twenty weeks into Anne's pregnancy, she began bleeding and miscarried her second child. Oh, the child was perfectly formed that she delivered. She even breathed shallowly for nearly an hour before being taken home to the Lord. What happened? Anne's cervix was so damaged from the abortion three years prior that she was unable to hold the weight of her baby as her babe grew within her womb. The womb, which was meant to cherish and protect the child until birth, suddenly became a tomb. Guilt, shame, and remorse set in. Anne became depressed. She felt like she had killed her first baby and also her second. If only I would have told the doctor about my previous abortion, she thought. Maybe something could have been done. Anne kept telling herself over and over, this pregnancy loss was truly her fault, just like the first one. Eventually, Anne worked through many of the emotions of losing two children, but she still has a little work to do in order to live the life God is fully calling her to. But she's willing to do the work, and that's the first step to achieving her goal and God's will for her life. This might be a good time for us to take a break. Stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about the physical consequences of abortion on the One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. We're back on one body stewarding God's creation. One body. body, With me, Donetta Robin. One body. body, The physical consequences of abortion. Stewarding God's creation. Before the break, we were talking about Anne who lost one child to abortion and then the damage to her cervix was so great that her second pregnancy resulted in a miscarriage. Anne suffered from guilt and shame because she did not tell her OBGYN about her previous abortion. And if she had, perhaps her second child would not have died. Anne is not so different from many other women we've worked with on Rachel's Vineyard Retreat. Abortion is much like rape. Once it happens, the victim, in this case the living victim, works hard to cover up the crime. Many women have told us following their abortion they were put into a room with other women and all they could hear was sobbing and in some cases wailing. Not one woman left the clinic happy. And once they left the abortion clinic, they didn't talk about their abortion again. They covered up the crime. And when triggers kicked in, like seeing a pregnant woman or a child that would be the age of their child, or you know, the, boy, the father of the baby, anything like that, they might try to talk about it with a friend. But the friend would just dismiss the conversation saying things like, you made the best choice. So obviously, talking about the abortion after the fact, for most people, is truly an uncomfortable experience. So what is a woman to do? She turns in on herself, and she begins to slowly destroy herself, oftentimes physically, with things like eating disorders, cutting, alcohol and drug abuse, promiscuity, and many other symptoms to kind of... Dull or numb the pain. I will be getting into these specifically next week when we talk about the psychological and emotional consequences of abortion. But for now, let's just stick to the physical consequences abortion causes. In a Finland research study of post abortive women, it was found that 60%, 60%, my friends, had experienced suicidal tendencies. After their abortion, of these, 28% had actually attempted suicide and 18% attempted suicide more than once. Now, listen up again. Teenagers are six times more likely to attempt suicide if they had an abortion in the last six months than teens who would have carried their pregnancy to term. Teens who abort their child are four times more likely to commit suicide, actually go through with it, actually commit the suicide than adults who abort. So suicide and abortion are directly related and it affects teenagers more than adults. To further expand on this claim, as we all know, China has this one-child policy. Abortion is literally forced upon the women of China. And this was clearly seen on the Internet when, I'll probably butcher her name here, but Feng Jianmi was forced to undergo an abortion June 2nd, seven months into her pregnancy. Her husband was beaten Fing herself was beaten and forcibly held down while a long needle was inserted through her abdomen and into her baby's skull. After the abortion, Fing's dead baby was laid next to her to further terrorize her. Now, Pictures of this was posted all over the internet by Fing's husband to let the world know what the government of China is doing to its people. None of us can be silent about what's going on. Incidentally, the suicide rate for women in China is 1 in 3. 1 in 3 women successfully attempt suicide in China. Folks, this is an atrocity, and our government should be outraged. In another statistic, 70% of post-abortion women believe it is morally wrong to abort a child. So when a woman goes against her own moral beliefs, oftentimes because of pressure to abort by parents, boyfriend, or other people, then they can't really wrap their minds around it, much less their hearts. They can't understand that they themselves actually had an abortion. In my niece's diary... This is what she wrote the morning of her abortion. This is before she ever even left her apartment to go to the clinic. And she wrote to our Lord as she often did. She says, Dear Lord, please give me strength as I enter into a confusing, unforgettable, and tremendously trying day. I sit here alone with my thoughts, wondering if you will ever find it in your heart to forgive me. I so desperately want and need to find you again. Where are you? And how come I turn away from you at moments when I should come to you? I don't fill you in my heart. Yet I know it's a conscious choice I make to not allow you in. Maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I'm not brave enough. Or maybe I'm just plain stupid. What am I searching for? What am I missing? What does every single day of my life supposed to mean? I have so many questions that will likely never have any definite answers. Why do I feel alone? Why do I continue to fail you? I failed your holy sacrament of marriage. And now, I am failing you because I am turning away from the precious gift of having a child. A child, a breathing, living, beautiful life that I created, but too selfish to accept from you. Will you still love me as a child of yours? Will I still love me after today? How will I ever find the words to express how I feel inside? Am I refusing to truly see what's in me? Or am I simply cold, heartless, insensitive, unfeeling, and selfish. So you can see the moral battle going on here before Shelley even left for the abortion clinic. Incidentally, I have written a book based on my niece's journals titled, Where is My Rainbow? And it's titled such not because we're from Kansas, but because in one of Shelley's journal entries, she is writing to our Lord as she often did and asked, where is my rainbow after the storm? So Shelley actually named the book. If you are interested in obtaining this book, you can go to Messenger Catholic Books, Gifts, Music, and Art in the Centennial Mall in Hayes, or contact me at 785-621-4110. The Finland researchers also found that many women who aborted in the year prior to their deaths were 60% more likely to die of natural causes, four times more likely to die of injuries related to accidents, and 14 times more likely to die from homicide than women who carried their babies to term. Researchers noted that the higher rate of deaths related to accidents and homicide may be linked to higher rates of suicidal or risk-taking behavior. After part of a woman dies, like the babe within her womb, part of her feels like she, too, should not live. Today, we're talking about the physical consequences of abortion, something you will not hear on other media. So, thank you for those of you who provide for this station. But now i kind of like to dive into how cancer is linked to abortion. Women who have a history of abortion have a higher rate of cancer, and the more abortions a woman has, the greater her risk. Cancers that have been linked to abortion are cervical cancers, ovarian, and liver cancer. Researchers say these increased cancer rates for post-aborted women may be linked to the unnatural disruption of the hormonal changes which accompany pregnancy and untreated cervical damage or to increased stress and the negative impact stress has on the immune system. Another link is between abortion and breast cancer. Entire books have been written on this topic. LifeSite News reported that an unpublished review in 2003 showed that there were 40 studies which revealed a direct link between induced abortion and breast cancer. And this is how it works. One of the first ways a woman suspects she is pregnant are by swollen and tender breasts. This is because the woman's body is preparing to feed her child. When a pregnancy goes full term, and even in the case of a natural miscarriage, the breasts lactate and return to normal. But when a pregnancy ends unnaturally, such as in the case of an abortion, these cells go dormant, and it is discovered that they can later come back and often cause cancer. A woman's risk of breast cancer is higher if her abortion is linked to a first pregnancy. And also, the younger the person is when they have the abortion, the higher risk it is of future breast cancer. And what I find totally ironic about this is that the Susan G. Coleman Foundation, a foundation that stresses they are searching for a cure to breast cancer, funds the number one abortion provider in the United States, Planned Parenthood. So do you really think that the Susan G. Komen Foundation is looking for a cure? Or are they all about the money? I question their motives. And I do not give any money to cancer walks or races that will give even a portion of their money to the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, with all this data... After nearly 40 years of legalized abortion in our country, that absolutely and positively indicates abortion is physically harmful to the body. How can we possibly support a candidate for office that advocates harming women through abortion? How can we support a health care plan that makes abortion a part of good health care? How can we ever remain silent when such atrocities are being used to legalize and to destroy not only unborn babies, but to destroy women? Now, I'd like to say that if any of you, women or men out there listening, have been affected by an abortion decision, please, please give yourself the gift of a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. I will be talking about Rachel's Vineyard on a future episode of One Body because it shows how God works through the muck we've created in our society. We might turn our backs on God, but He never, never turns His back on us. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation today. Please tune in next week as I will address the emotional and psychological consequences of abortion. Now, I'm not a priest, so I can't end with a blessing. But I do hope that you find the goodness of God in your daily lives and that you be showered with abundant graces from heaven. And as always, if you can find a way to support Divine Mercy Radio, We sure could use the financial assistance, as it takes a lot of money to run this radio station and to produce local shows. Thank you, and we'll see you next week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation.